Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. Later on, I'm going to announce the item that's going to be given away for this month's supporter giveaway. But first, let's just jump into the news and see what's been going on in the past week. Well, first, I definitely want to talk about the Game Boy Advance Consoleizer. I just posted the review video, and I'm really excited that I finally get to share this with people. I've had a prototype for a long time now, and I've been holding off because I wanted to wait till all the features were in, and then really just do the best job I possibly could on the video. Of course, you know, as anybody who creates any kind of content, when I watch that back, I do find a lot of mistakes and stuff, but hopefully uh, nothing, none of the mistakes in there take away from the video, or especially the product, because I think that's absolutely awesome. Um, for anybody who's not really sure what it is, it's a kit you install in your Game Boy Advance, gets you 720p output with no lag, um, and a shitload of options. So uh, I really I really hope this one goes viral just for everybody involved. Uh, I'm very proud of the video. Um, I hope Boozle's able to use this uh, and make some money and fund other projects. I always am very happy to send business uh, Jason's way, Jason from Game Tech, who's going to be selling the kits. I've known him for a long time and, you know, a bunch of uh, great past experiences. So across the board, I- I'm really looking forward to seeing how the-, the feedback is on this. So far, it's been pretty good. Only one or two, uh, this is dumb, why don't you just use emulation on your cell phone, hooked up wirelessly to a TV. You can never stop people like that, I guess. But uh, yeah, overall, it's been pretty positive, and I, I love that. I'm really excited. So share this anywhere you can. Heck, share it. Uh, share this video in places that would hate me. Just who knows? I'd love for this one to go viral, and I'd really love for everyone involved to, to be able to really benefit from it. Also, I have an interview with Woozle, who uh, in this interview, we went through a lot of the details that were a little bit too in-depth to be in as short of a review video as possible. Um, you know, it was still pretty long. It was still almost a half hour long, but if we had gone in-depth, it would have ended up being a second interview. So uh, I really like the fact that I both get to have an in-depth technical talk about stuff that a lot of the more nerdier of, of us, like me, would enjoy, but also just take different parts of that and make it in a more user-friendly video. Whatever. Either way, clearly I'm excited and happy about all this. Uh, when I was tweeting a few weeks ago, you know, guess who I'm going on a plane to visit? It was Steven. So thanks again to him, to Steven, aka Woozle, for and uh, inviting me into his home and uh, you know, just having fun and recording a ton of video with me. Really appreciate all that. And uh, I really hope everybody enjoys it as much as I enjoyed making it and working. I don't want to say working on the project. Steven did all the real work. But I mean, you know, just being a small part of it in my own weird way. So please check out those links. Please share them wherever you can. And uh, I really hope this one goes big. Next up is a Raspberry Pi case that's designed to look like the original Mega Drive called the Mega Pi. And I 
love stuff like this. Some people seem to think that I hate all emulation, and it is the opposite. Uh, I especially love it for arcade stuff, but there's a million fun things you could do, and there's also a ton of things that you could use a, uh, a Raspberry Pi for that aren't even gaming related. For a long time, I was using one as a video streamer before different apps came out, before I got the better player, but I thought overall for the price it performed really well. And I had a Super Nintendo case for it that was 3D printed. And, you know, far away it looked great up close that you could tell it was 3D printed. But, uh, you know, I just, it was, it became a conversation piece. Not just the cool little thing that sat next to my TV and played videos. People would ask, is that a mini Super Nintendo? And this is way before the, uh, the classic consoles came out. So I wish they had this. I would have, uh, I would have bought it and... Uh, who knows, maybe I would have swapped out the guts depending on my mood. If I was in a Sega mood, I would have put that in, and if not, a SNES. But, yeah, I mean, for 25 bucks, if you're looking for a case for your Raspberry Pi and you're a retro nerd like me, why not? SNK has just announced what they're calling the Christmas edition of the Neo Geo Mini. Uh, it's an all-red version of the same mini turd that was, uh, that was released a few months ago. I have heard nothing but bad things about that. So I'm being, you know, slightly silly calling it a turd, but I honestly, I, I haven't had one person tell me that they loved it. Uh, some people thought it was a neat toy, but nobody really liked the thing. And the fact that uh, SNK is releasing a different version with a few different games on it, I don't know. Maybe collectors will enjoy it. Um, if the Neo Geo was my favorite console and I had the space for it, I'd probably pick one of these up just for the heck of it, but... Yeah, it's definitely not that exciting, and I really think it could have been. I really think, you know, I love mini arcade cabinets. Heck, I got one sitting next to me that I'm about to do some serious work on, but oh well. Next, Genovese Retro Impressions posted a review of the Atari Jaguar 6-button Pro Controller, and the review goes over all of the questions that I had. Uh, great review if you're interested. Overall, it seems like it's a worthy purchase for anybody who is looking for... I guess really just any replacement Jaguar controller. Overall, it seems to be more comfortable than the original, and you get the bonus of six buttons for none of the games that use it. I don't know. There's a handful. I'm being silly, but um, I think this is really more for people that want a second Jaguar controller and want something a little bit more uh, comfortable that has the same functionality as the original. But I got mine. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, but... I certainly held on to it, and uh, I mean, just by holding it, feeling the buttons and the D-pad, um, I could certainly agree with Genovi's conclusions on how it feels, and hopefully I'll get a Jaguar up and running soon and uh, be able to put it through its paces. Darksoft just entered the testing phase for his Neo Geo AES ROM cart. He's had the MVS version out for a while now, which I've been using and I think is great, uh, and I'm really looking forward to test the AES version. And the one thing that I noticed that I thought was really, um, really exciting is that I, I guess he brought on a new programmer to help out and overhaul the menus for both versions. So my only complaint, which is 100% preference, this isn't right or wrong, just my own preference, but my only complaint about the MVS version is that it was set up to mimic a multi-slot stand-up Neo Geo cab. So you load up the cabinet, you load up your, you know, your four favorite games, and then you could instantly switch between them the same way you would in a regular Neo Geo cab. But for me personally, I'm constantly testing stuff. Uh, you know, it's rare I played two games twice in a row. So I just wanted a basic bare bones. You boot to the menu, you select your game and go. So hopefully that'll be an option. Once again, it's not a right or wrong. It's whatever people prefer, but 
you know, I would really prefer having the option for both. And certainly, if I, you know, if I had a stand-up machine and I was having people over, I would prefer having a few like the, like I know if some of my friends come over, they're going to definitely want to play King of Fighters. I know if Scott comes over, no doubt he's going to want to play Windjammers. So I could just load that stuff up and be ready. But for my own personal use, especially on the home console, the AES, I feel like having a one-at-a-time quick load is, uh, you know, is a little bit more natural for that situation, at least for people that are used to ROM carts. But anyway, either way, I'm excited to test it, and I'll let everybody know when it comes in. Urkin Labs has just announced the Jamifier, a device that allows you to plug Jamma boards into a JVS cab. Um, now, I am far from an arcade expert, so if I get this wrong, uh, Smoke Monster and Arcade Crew, please make sure to let me know down in the comments. But uh, what this device, I believe, does is it allows you to plug regular JAMA boards, so boards with that standard, you know, computer-looking PCB adapter, into a JVS cabinet. And JVS are the newer-style cabinets that use VGA-looking ports. You know, I think they're just HD15 ports, as well as USB and stereo audio and some other things. So, essentially, this is a, uh, a converter that does more than... Because you would need more than just a pass-through. So things like the Capcom to JAMA converter boards is essentially just a pass-through, whereas this needs to have some conversion done. So this is a really handy thing for people that have really nice JVS cabinets, but also want to play their JAMA games on it as well. So uh, you know, thanks to Chris for posting about this one, because I probably would have missed it. And anybody with a JVS cab might want to at least take a look, because this could solve some problems if you're looking to do cool stuff like you know, integrate a CPS2 kit or any of that other awesomeness. Crix just announced an updated version of his Super Nintendo ROM cart, the Super EverDrive. This version is the X5, and it allows for instant loading and a few smaller options. But keep in mind that this is more, much more of a bare-bones ROM cart than the SD to SNES. That being said, it's half the price. So uh, really, this might fit a lot of people's needs. If you already have all of the special chip games that you want to play and you don't really like the MSU stuff, there really is not too much of a reason to get the SD to SNES. For me personally, though, I love those games. So while I'm not throwing any disrespect towards the EverDrive X5, it really is just choose whichever one fills the needs that you're trying to do. Uh, but for me, 100%, I, wanted, uh, I want all of the MSU1 audio games, and I want, especially for like the BS Zelda hacks and all that stuff, uh, my own personal opinion is that the SD to SNES just opens up a whole other world of stuff. But... Once again, if you just want to play the basic library of SNES games with no extra chip support, the Super EverDrive does a great job, and now there's a newer version that, um, that supports faster loading. Retro Gaming Cables had a Black Friday sale last week. The <laughs> uh, reason I'm mentioning it now is because I just wanted to remind everybody that if you wanted any of this news as soon as it comes out, you could either just check the news section of the website or subscribe to the RSS feed, which, to be honest, that's something that uh, the last time I used RSS feeds was years ago, and it sucked. Uh, and now it's awesome. Uh, one of my Patreons actually told me about Feedly, 
which is one app or one website that all links together where you put all of the websites you would normally go to in one and the RSS feeds of all of them pop up and you could select which articles you've read, which articles you haven't. It's really cool. Um, and it's also a trip to see retro RGB ar articles pop up on there as well, right in the likes of Engadget and Gizmodo. So, um, and I'm not going to lie too, there's been a few times where I've been scrolling through and I, I start reading the blurb of an article going, wow, that looks awesome. And then I realized it was Smoke Monster, Ronnie, Chris, or one of the other contributors on retro RGB. So um, if anybody wants it more real time, subscribe to that. And I do post um, really time sensitive stuff on Twitter as well. But I also use that for just conversations in the retro gaming community. So maybe uh, at some point, maybe it would be smart to separate that and make my Twitter feed news only and just open up a Bob Twitter account or something. But if anybody has thoughts on any of that, please let me know down below. I'd love to hear what everybody has to think about all of that stuff. But definitely a reminder of the RSS feeds, and I'll leave a link to that as well so people will know uh, how to sign up and where to go. Flashmasta.com just opened pre-orders on their Wonderswan flash cart. They'll be $95 each, and they'll ship in a few weeks, mid-December. So anybody with a Wonderswan that wants to play ROMs, there you go. Now you have a good solution. Prices for the Sentinel Super Gun were announced. It's about 135 US dollars and a lot more features have been added. Things like a low pass filter toggle, uh, different dip switches to toggle buttons. There's a full list in the post and it really looks interesting. Um, you know, the, the Super Gun market has gone from a bunch of uh, mediocre or dangerous super guns with only a few really high quality ones. It's now a bunch more becoming available that look like they're of much higher quality. So I can't wait to try it out. Uh, I can't wait to compare it to some of the more questionable solutions. I might not even put those on camera. I might just show the JAMA harness and not even say some of the other ones that have been out for a while. But they're, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to testing more super guns that you don't have to worry about damaging your equipment and the video quality is pretty high. So we'll see how this one holds up to the rest, and I'm looking forward to trying it out. A quick warning for anybody that's using an inline power switch with the DE10 Nano, the main component in the Mr. FPGA project. People were reporting a voltage drop when using the switch, which is kind of strange for me. Um, I wouldn't have guessed to test that. And, you know, having friends like the guys from the Retro Roundtable, uh, I start testing everything I get these days just for the heck of it, just because, you know... Some of the craziness we've seen over the years, you kind of have a feeling of what could be dangerous or not. And I, ad I admit I would have never put that on a multimeter to test. And I think I even used to use one of these with a Raspberry Pi. So uh, I'm interested to find out. Maybe I'll ask the guys on the Retro Roundtable if they could explain uh, how that's possible, if that's common, and why it, I mean, just why it even happens. I can't imagine a switch draining voltage. It should just be a basic toggle. But... Uh, very strange, so if you have one of these, um, uh, try to switch out with one of the ones that Smoke Monster reported doesn't have a voltage drop, or just plug it in directly and, you know, uh, have like a, um, a power surge protector strip that you use to turn everything on and off. And speaking of the Mister, there's now an Atari Jaguar core in the midst of being ported over from a different platform, and uh, just the initial work has been started on it. So it's pretty cool because I think I spoke to the original creator of that core, Torless, on a different forum, who said he didn't think it would uh, or might not be possible to port that over to the DE10 Nano. But I guess with things like the cycle-accurate ac Motorola 68000 core and with the expertise of some of the people that have been working on this for a while, people think it could be possible.
So that's pretty cool. You can now you can now play that one really good Jaguar game. <laughs> Sorry, I hope all the Jaguar fans know that the reason I tease is because I like the console. But this is awesome, and uh, I hope to get to try it out. And this is even more of a reason that we need to move forward on that controller adapter project for it because I'd really like to see some zero zero perceivable lag, zero lag, only a few milliseconds uh, controller adapters that could have all of the original experience through this FPGA. Greg Collins just posted a 3D printed design for the Virtual Tap, the Virtual Boys TV Out mod designed by Furtech. And this is specifically for Virtual Boys where you can't really use them as a visor anymore. And surprisingly, I've seen a lot of them with broken glass inside, uh, even broken visor glass, where it's a working unit, you just can't use it as a Virtual Boy anymore. And if you have one of those, uh, this is the perfect solution. You just 3D print these or buy them you know, from somebody else 3D printed. Uh, these sit in the eye socket and it allows for video out, power switch, palette switch. Um, so another awesome creation made by Greg Collins, uh, available for free, whoever wants the assets. So uh, thank you very much for doing that. Uh, my Virtual Boy still works, but it was broken when I, when I got it. So this is one of the few times I don't really mind doing a cut to it because the plastic was already broken and it's epoxied back together. Uh, so, uh, and I'll, uh, you know, this is one of the few times I'll cut mine open, mount the jacks and be all right with it. But for anybody that has broken plastic or uh, broken visor ones, now you don't have to cut the plastic. You just set this right in. And speaking of the virtual tap, if you were thinking about getting one, this Saturday is your last day to get it. You have from now until then, uh, I believe Furtex in France, so I don't know what the time zone difference is, but uh, if you were thinking about buying one, definitely pick one up now, because while Furtech did release the design free of charge on GitHub, if you hadn't planned on building one of these yourself, now's a great opportunity to support the developer and get something awesome. I got mine. I just, just received mine. It's a lot smaller than it looks, and I am really excited. I can't wait to get these in, uh, solder it up, and see how it works. I actually got two. I got both the RGB and the VGA version, and since my Virtual Boy's already uh, beat up, I was going to install both in it, one in each side, and that way I could have dual outputs, use both VGA and RGB. I'm really excited. So uh, if you're looking for one of these, grab it right now. Even if you don't own a Virtual Boy yet, but you think maybe you might want to, uh, pick one of these up, keep your eyes out for some broken ones, go get Greg's 3D print design for it, and now you can have a consolized Virtual Boy. And one last piece of Virtual Boy news, there's now an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign to try to get a Virtual Boy music tracker and game completed. The purpose is that a lot of homebrew games look great and are very cool and have that unique Virtual Boy experience, but have no or crappy music. So they're trying to take, uh, or trying to create a music tracker so that you'd be able to have an easier time creating games for Virtual Boy homebrew. And they're also trying to do a game along with it. Um, it's a very small target goal of, I think, just around 1500 US dollars. So it's reasonable, it's almost funded, uh, and it seems pretty exciting. So uh, to be honest, this, this is one of the few crowdfunding things I think I would really enjoy contributing to because, you know, like most crowdfunding campaigns, if it doesn't happen or if it's late, um, they're not asking for a lot. But if it does, uh, this is something that could be a game changer in the Virtual Boy homebrew scene. And if anybody's ever taken the time to really look through, they have 
like a, a version of Mario Kart that's really cool. There's there's a bunch of really great Virtual Boy homebrew, of course, including Street Fighter, which I still think is incredible to play on Virtual Boy, as weird as that sounds. Um, so uh, I'm definitely into it. Count me in, and I really hope this happens, and I hope we get a lot more interesting Virtual Boy homebrew. Insurrection Industries now has the Sega Triple Bypass board for sale for $39. You have to select which board matches your Genesis. So the newer Genesis 3 consoles, which have the GOAC Genesis on a chip, use one model. Um, the ASIC versions, which are most of the Genesis 2s, I think, have one. And then the original Genesis 1s have the YM2612 versions. Um, so it... If you buy one, you can switch them over to from one to be another. The parts are incredibly small, but there are only three components that need to be changed, I believe, for it to match properly. But I'm just really excited that these things are up for sale because, uh, on, honestly, like I'm not saying that just because I was part of the project doing the testing, still doing the testing. Uh, when I first turned on that Genesis 3 with this thing installed and heard the way the music sounded and saw the colors properly calibrated so that it looked it looked better than I'd ever seen one look and it sounded flawless. So this is a huge game changer for people who don't mind modding and want the best out of their Genesis consoles because you could just take a Genesis 2, pop one of these things in, and installation isn't too hard. Um, assembling the boards is infinitely harder than the installation. So while this certainly is not as easy as a SNES Mini RGB bypass, it's not as hard as like a NES RGB install. Um, you know, there's no crazy things to desolder um, unless you want to do the, you know, the RF jack input for the Genesis one. But I'll have videos on all this stuff coming up soon. Um, I'm still testing as many different models as I can. Uh, I've had I've spent all my time on the weekly stuff and the Game Boy Advance consoleizer video, so I haven't had time to jump back into that, but I will soon. Uh, and I believe Insurrection sending me one of these to test out. I, just from the looks on the picture, it looks fine to me. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how how quickly I can get one installed into like maybe a Genesis three again because I really like the way those uh, those perform with these. And I'll go from there. But thanks to them for making this for sale for everybody. Uh, and I highly recommend people pick it up from them if they were waiting for it. Because uh, they're very, very hard to assemble. <laughs> so unless you really know what you're doing or you have you know, the, the most patience in the world, uh, you really are going to want to buy one of these pre-assembled. The developer Magno has been working on an open source update for the SD to SNES that allows for SDD1 chip support. I believe there's only two games that use that, but I really think that um, while many people might have kind of glossed over this extra chip support, stuff like this always ends up being very relevant and important in the long run. So while yes, it's cool to add two more games to the list of games that the SD to SNES supports, I guarantee sometime between now and never, the work being done on this is going to end up being a huge help somewhere else that we can't even think of yet. So thanks very much to Magno for taking the time to do this. Um, thank you very much to Red Guy for making it playable on the SD to SNES and for the whole team that continues work on this stuff. Voltar just uploaded a video review of an inexpensive soldering station that performs as good, if not better, than some of the Heiko stations that he's used. 
And that's a pretty bold statement right there. Um, I know I've searched around for a long time to get an affordable station. Um, the knockoff brand I have one seems to be working okay, but it does a few things that kind of get on my nerves. So the thought of buying one um, full thing with all of the different um, uh, with all of the different tips, with the stand and the main unit itself, the thought of buying one for around 100 bucks that performs that well is really impressive. Uh, and I, I already ordered one according to the tracking number. It's uh, already in New York, so hopefully I should see it by the next podcast. But the one thing that Voltar touched upon that I thought was really essentially important is that there are other ones that look identical. They have the same casing, but different guts to it. So he wanted to make sure he got the exact links to the one that you need. And I believe he was even in contact with uh, Banggood Storage to make sure that that link would always represent that item. Which, you know, that's something I deal with all the time in the video processor stuff. Uh, you know, one company will pay the money to have a mold made and uh, they'll make a run of 50000 for So now they're $0.10 cents each, but they only need 10000 so then they just sell off the rest. So you get these little boxes that look identical to the 10 other brands that are out there. And some have the same guts, some have completely different, uh, some of the performance is different. So if you're looking to either upgrade or buy your first good soldering station, um, this one seems to be the one to go for. Just make sure to either use the links on this store page or in his video because they, they make sure to get you the exact ones that you want. Um, the other thing I linked to on eBay, I think I have it right here, um, these are the tips that you could actually remove when they're still hot. So I just got one of these little rubber removing things so that you could pull it off uh, and then just leave it sit right on top so you don't burn your table. That is something I'm looking forward to because I often burn myself when trying to switch tips on my knockoff one because you got to unscrew it and everything. So this should probably uh, speed up a lot of the work that I do when I have to switch back and forth. Definitely check out the video if you're interested. It's a, a typical high-quality quality Voltar soldering video. <laughs> Voltar just released the design files for the final fix for the SSD S3. Um, between this one and Firebrand X's audio board, you could now finally fix the broken product that supposedly isn't broken and the quality of it can't be measured anyway. Uh, Mobius Strip Tech will be offering them for sale as well as offering installation services as soon as he gets the boards in and uh, just does the final test to make sure that everything was exactly as expected. Um, to be honest, uh, I think Mobius is selling them a little bit too cheap. Uh, I know that both he and Voltar feel very strongly about not trying to make a profit off of these because, uh, you know, nobody wants to feel like they're stepping up and taking advantage of people who bought something that doesn't work right. Um, so I know all three people involved. Voltar definitely wanted to just uh, give this to the public and, have, and wash his hands of it. Um, he was tired of the whole situation. Mobius really does want to help. Uh, he did the testing, Voltar's design, Mobius is testing, and now Mobius is going to be offering installs and stuff like that. But he's offering them super cheap just to try to help everybody that gets screwed over. And same with Firebrand X. I don't know if he's offering installation services, but he's certainly offering a very cheap version of the audio board, which I mentioned last week. So... Very awesome that members of the community are coming together to fix a broken product that uh, the owner of the company continuously disrespects everybody about. Uh, Todd from Todd's Nerd Cave uh, is now an official team member. Um, I hope that that ends up being a good thing. Uh, I actually was a little shocked when I heard that because I can't understand why somebody with a great reputation would 
ruin it, would risk ruining it by associating their name with Terra Onion, but um, I got nothing bad to say about Todd, and maybe he'll be able to turn this whole thing around, fix the product, you know, using the work that uh, Voltar and FBX and all the people that helped, like Mobius and Ace and all that, maybe he'll be able to finally convince Alex to take all the other work that other people did to fix the product that was broken to begin with. Uh, and, you know, I gotta just mention one more time, um, all... All comments uh, hating on me for this stuff will be ignored, deleted, banned. I'm, I'm really sick of it. Um, especially people that completely dismiss all the lies and bullshit. Uh, either you're trolling me because for whatever reason, you know, you're on Team Terra Onion, you think there's some rivalry or anything like that. I, I don't know. But uh, anybody that understood what happened or took the time to understand would uh, would take it a little bit more seriously, especially how the owner of that company, Alex, treated the customers that he had. So I wish Todd all of the luck in the world. Maybe a few months from now or a year from now, uh, you know, things will be different and people will have uh, probably unfortunately forgotten about all the shit Alex did until it's his company, until he comes back and does it again. So I wish everybody luck that buys their products. Be safe, buy them from reputable resellers, not directly from them, so your info won't get exposed. And uh, good luck to you, Todd. I wish you the best. Okay, I'll admit that I'm a little bit embarrassed to sink low enough to talk about this clickbait bottom feeder nonsense, but Billy Mitchell, hot sauce salesman extraordinaire, posted something that actually offended me. Uh, So just enough to at least take the time to write this post. And make the thumbnail. I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed making that thumbnail. But he posted on Twitter, uh, I now matched both of the scores that were supposedly investigated, which is in quotes. I'm I'm just not sure what these haters will say at this point. Haters will see you walk on water and say it's because you can't swim. So he had a choice here. He could have said, hey, here's indisputable proof that I'm able to do the things that I always said I could do. Let's just move along. The past is the past. You know what? We're all humans. Sometimes it takes certain people longer to grow up than others. It's fine. Whatever. You know, look past it, move forward. But instead of doing that, he chose to say that because he did it this time, that somehow the other times that were proven that he cheated, and in fact proven even by people that he hired to prove that he didn't cheat, even they were like, this is so blatantly cheating, that somehow because he did it now that he didn't do it then, even though it was proved that he did it then. I'm just, I'm blown away. I don't know if he did this on purpose to try to drag up some press or something. And in which case, that means I definitely got, uh, I definitely got trolled on this one and and he won. But it just really bugged me and it just makes me like him even less. I remember watching The King of Kong and couldn't stand him in the whole movie. Uh, I have, there's, you know, the DVD of it here. You can probably stream it for free anywhere. But, you know, and I guess the other thing is uh, it, it must have really reminded me of that other incident in the past year where somebody uh, multiple times lied through their teeth even though there was indisputable proof of it, uh, but then continues to lie about it. So maybe that's why Billy Mitchell drives me so crazy. Maybe it's uh, we'll find out that he's secretly related to Alex from Terra Onion and they both do the same things. The next game, Micromages, is up for pre-order on Indiegogo. Um, I don't normally talk about uh, 
crowdfunded retro games because so so many of them just disappear. Uh, it's rare that you get something as amazing as Tanglewood. Uh, but this one kind of interested me because they followed a path that I thought was pretty smart and might work for other people who are looking to do things like this. And not just in software, possibly hardware as well. But they had a successful Kickstarter campaign and placed an order for those. And then people still wanted them, so they then opened up an Indiegogo campaign, and they're just going to leave it open-ended until they're ready to place the second order, and then take that money and go buy the second order. Uh, and then who knows? Maybe they're going to have stock, maybe they'll open another Indiegogo, whatever they want to do it with. But uh, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a very cool way to do it. And I think that's a good way for people that, uh, that really want to have projects funded without investors or without trying to take a loan out or something like that. Um, I don't know anything about the team behind it or I looked at the game. The game looks pretty cool. That's for sure. So I really hope this doesn't turn out to be another game that disappears and I hope I'm not accidentally promoting the wrong thing, but I certainly liked the idea of how they did that. So, um, you know, if you have a hardware or software idea, maybe consider that as an option to start getting this in the hands of people and getting you some some money to fund whatever that next idea or the continuation of the idea is. The GameCube homebrew software Swiss was just updated to version 464 with both EmuKitted and Extrems adding their own updates to it uh, with things like 1080i support, kind of crazy from a GameCube. Um, and for anybody that's not familiar with this, I got to take at least a quick minute to go over it because in my opinion, this is the most important software for any hardcore GameCube user. Uh, basically, when you boot into Swiss via something like the Action Replay disc is probably the most common at this point. Um, you would put the, the Swiss version on, action, on an SD card, have that in the memory card slot, and then uh, boot the Action Replay disc. It'll automatically boot into Swiss uh, as long as you set it correctly. And then from here, you could relaunch a game, including original discs, which I think is really cool because I know a lot of people that really enjoy playing original games that they collect or a lot of speedrunners that really need to use the original games to be official. You could go in and have your video settings set right from Swiss. And it does a lot more different options. It's also a great interface that allows you to load the Game Boy interface software right from uh, right from it. So in all honesty, if you are a hardcore GameCube user, this, in my opinion, is a must-have. Uh, and EmuKitted and Extremes did some amazing work on this over the years. And uh, this was the original software that forced video modes. So uh, I remember getting incredibly excited about that a few years ago when you could force certain games to 480p and even force certain games to 240p. So definitely check it out. If you have a way to boot homebrew on your GameCube, uh, there's no excuse not to use it. Uh, and if you don't, uh, it might be worth just spending the, um, I think it's about 30 bucks between 25 and 30 on the action replay kits. Because uh, it does open up a whole other world of stuff you could do. Uh, you know, being the video guy, obviously the video modes are the things that certainly excite me the most, but it's not, it's more than just that. It's a, a very cool piece of software. So thanks very much to everybody that's ever contributed to that from anything other, anything from bug reports to the core work on it. Uh, let's just keep the support for this going because this was a game changer for the GameCube. It sounds like a, a cheesy tagline, game changer for the GameCube. Ugh, maybe I should delete that part. 
Before I talk about the monthly supporter giveaway, I want to let everybody know that tonight, if you're watching this on air date, uh, November 28th, we're going to try to do another retro roundtable at the usual 8 p.m. Eastern time. The last time I mentioned one of these on the podcast, I had to cancel at the last minute, and I looked like a moron telling everybody to come watch tonight and I had to cancel. Sorry, so hopefully that will not be the case tonight. Uh, join the likes of Voltar, DB Electronics, and Nick and Steve from HD Retrovision and myself to nerd out, talk about a bunch of crazy stuff, and uh, very often talk about some pretty technical things and come to some good conclusions. I'm actually shocked at how much I've learned from, from that podcast. So uh, come join us, have some fun. Um, the comments are always a good time and usually add add a lot to it as well. And I don't mean like trolly, silly comments. I mean, there's a lot of really smart people that like to come in and join. So thank you. Thank you to all of you as well. So hopefully we'll see you live tonight. And if not, they're all up afterwards, both on YouTube and I think as an audio only podcast. I think, uh, I think Nick took time away from working on the Dreamcast cable to, to do that now. So thanks, Nick. You could listen to us instead of just watch us. Okay, now on to this month's supporter giveaway. So for anybody who's new to the channel or unfamiliar with this, the last podcast of every month, I announce something, uh, and then you have a week to enter. And then the next podcast, I draw a winner. I usually pick the winner the day before Tuesday morning, so make sure to get your entry in by then. Uh, and you could enter by posting in the Patreon page, by doing a mail-in giveaway, uh, or by figuring out how to do that through Discord. So on Patreon's by far the easiest. Um, and uh, like I said, just make sure to get your entry in before the following Tuesday morning. Uh, and I'm very proud to be able to give this one away. I know I'm probably sounding all uppity and full of myself, but this is a... This, well, I'll, I'll say it first, and then I'll explain it why. Uh, this is a modded Sega Genesis Model 1. Um, this one has an audio mod to it. Yes, I know it's a cut. I'm sorry, this case was modded before I... Well, this, in fact, this case was modded a long time ago, way before I even grasped the concept of no-cut mods. Uh, but this is strategically placed over here so that if you put on the power base converter, it does not interfere. Uh, so while it is, yeah, it is a cut, at least it's functional. But this is kind of a special Genesis because this has been part of the bypass and both the triple bypass, the Voltar bypass, and basically just any kind of video bypassing on the Genesis consoles. And this was one of the things that we learned a lot from. So I had to leave myself a note because there's a lot of things. <laughs> um, this is one of the no TMSS VA3 motherboards. So this has the good audio chip in it. So while this, um, while this port right here just gets its audio from the, uh, the bottom of the headphone jack, which, by the way, is still really high quality, if you wanted to, you could even install Firebrand X's new audio amps and get an even better upgraded sound out of this. Um, I left inside, I left a lot of slack on the wire, maybe too much slack, but it's a shielded cable and it's out of the way of everything important, so you don't have to worry. Uh, but yeah, you could upgrade this if you are an audio file as well as a video file. This has a full recap done by Jose Cruz, not done by me. So uh, while I would be very proud of the work I would do on a Genesis 1, Jose is definitely better. <laughs> um, it's fully recapped, and it also has both of the voltage regulators 
uh, swapped out with new ones with thermal paste added, done the correct way to make sure this thing lasts a very long time. Um, it has the subcarrier pin lifted, which means that there is no composite video coming out of this port. Uh, if for whatever reason you really wanted it back, you could just put the pin down and solder it. Uh, that is 100% reversible, but because the subcarrier is lifted, um, the way this model works, uh, this is not a good model to do a full bypass on, yet at least. We're still kind of figuring out what's going on with the RAM noise and the interference, but by using the built-in Sony CXA encoder and by using, um, by lifting the subcarrier pin, you're able to get a very, very clean signal out of this to the point that I would say that if you're using a CRT, even like a Sony BVM, this is an excellent solution. Um, also, when you, if you ever have to take it apart, I added the little jumper over here to the LED cable so you could just pop that off and back in. You don't have to worry about messing with it. Um, and of course, the whole thing was checked over, cleaned, and looked, uh, looked at to make sure everything was working properly. So this really is the... the the culmination of a lot of people's help. Uh, I had an awesome Patreon subscriber donate a VA7 Genesis for testing, which I haven't even opened yet. It was still doing the GBA stuff, but I'm really looking forward to because that's going to add a whole other layer of stuff to the whole uh, bypass testing and what to do for each model. Um, Steve, the owner of Brooklyn Video Games, um, was able to put some consoles aside for me to buy, which you know was a, a massive help. So thanks to him as well. Of course, all the work Jose's done, both on the, both literally on this Genesis and through all the triple bypass testing. Um, you know, this really is just a, a way of me trying to give something, at least in my opinion, something pretty awesome back to the people that helped support what I think is a very cool project. Because regardless of whatever awesome things we have in the future, if we have the most flawless FPGA code for the Mr. ever made, and it's a perfect experience, there's still absolutely a need and a desire to have the best you could possibly get out of original consoles, especially when, at least in my opinion, they look as badass as the original Model 1 Genesis. Um, so I hope whoever gets this enjoys it. Uh, I hope they understand you're getting something that uh, was cared very well for, even though it's not the most flawless Genesis I've ever seen. You know, the 16 on the 16 bits, a little chipped. It's still really good condition. Um, you have both the front audio will still work if you need headphones. You use one of those adapters to get the uh, good quality audio out of the back with the shielded cable. Uh, it's a console-only giveaway, so if you don't have any cables, please let me know, and I'll make sure to link you to exactly what you need to get the best out of this thing. Um, but I'm very happy to give that away, because normally this is the type of thing where I would hold on to and definitely never give it up, because it's just it's got a lot of work done done by the right people. But um, I just wanted to kind of say my thank yous to everybody who's helped and understood some of the stuff that we've all been going through. We, meaning everybody from... Renee, Zach, Jose, me, everybody that's been involved in this testing. A lot of people on uh, my Discord chat, uh, in, for my Patreon Discord chat, Firebrand X, a lot of people have really started to dig in and do some really crazy research into the Genesis model revisions um, and, and really figure out why the video is the way it is. We got spoiled by Ace. Uh, he, he spoiled us over the years for all of his audio research, so I already knew what and why because of Ace when it came to audio, and now we're really starting to nail down video.
So the short, short version for anybody who's looking to do any mods, Genesis 2s and 3s, do the triple bypass. It'll be as flawless as one could possibly get out of an analog console. Um, for Genesis 1s at the moment, unless it's the VA7, the last model with the uh, ASIC in it, um, you're going to want to do what I just explained to this. That refurbishing will get you an excellent signal. Um, not the most perfect, but excellent. You get great audio, and you essentially have yourself a mostly stock Genesis with um, missing composite video, which you could put back. Uh, if you're going to do it yourself, maybe uh, consider not cutting and just using the front port or wiring a port back where the RF should be. Maybe remove that, but uh, please excuse that. That was one of the first. I actually did a good job on it, but it was one of the first mods I did for retro RGB. So um, you have a, a case with some history in it. So sorry to cheese out, and I hope I didn't try to make myself seem overly important. Uh, it wasn't about me. It was really about me being very appreciative to all the people that have contributed to this project. And I've already heard a lot of reports of people installing the triple bypass and uh, making a huge difference in their Genesis gaming. So we're not saving lives here, but anybody that fires up their favorite Genesis game with these new modifications will absolutely know the difference. So thank you to everybody involved. Um, can't wait to draw a winner next week and get to send this console out to somebody who gets a very awesome North American Sega Genesis that's been uh, have every great mod you can imagine at least today for it so uh, thank you very much to everybody who helped and i can't wait to draw this next week well that's it for this week as always thank you so much to all my patreon subscribers because without you none of these videos could ever be made thank you to everybody who listens watches and participates in these things and please don't forget share that game boy advance hdmi consoleizer video uh, I really want the world to see that one. I'm very proud of it, and I'm very happy that Woozle was able to make a very great item. So thanks to everybody, and I'll see you next week.